0: Welcome to Your Music Saved Us, where two friends blast ourselves into the past to relive and recontextualize the alternative Christian music we grew up listening to in the 1990s. Joining me to share in our individual regrets and suffering, Jay, how are you doing today?
1: Great, Clifton. I I, uh, I feel pretty um, regret-free, at least right now. So we'll see if I we'll, still feel
0: like we're we'll, we'll, anyway. we'll see what we can do about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> and also joining us to introduce us to the album we're listening to today is Phil.
2: Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, good to have you here. I'm stoked. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, little bit about yourself, Phil?
2: Yeah, my, my name is Phil Vecchio, and I'm basically here because I hassled you guys until you let me come on your show, <laughs> uh, which I appreciate you uh, conceding to. But I, I grew up in Southern California, and in and around a lot of the artists you guys have already covered, and I'm sure we'll be covering. And because I wasn't in the middle of, you know, the Midwest, or is, right, Texas we're, is we're in, We were in Texas. Yeah, is that Midwest? <laughs> I don't think it's Texas Texas uh you know I got to see a lot of these bands firsthand I actually got to do a lot of concert promotion in Southern California and so as I started listening through your shows I was like oh I can answer that question they don't know I can do that man these guys gotta let me on the show (laughs) and and here we are so yeah um I I still do have an independent uh, record label that we put out you know releases here and there we do live stream concerts and stuff now oh wow and I'm stoked to do this here. I could go on, but I won't.
0: <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for, thanks for joining yeah. us here. And, and we, we were happy to have you on. And one, one thing we've always wanted to do is that we, have, we obviously know that we have a, a limited scope in what we listen to at the time. And that there's things outside of that. And so we've always wanted to have other people on to, uh, to talk about the stuff we missed or just what wasn't our style. Phil, why don't you tell us, what are we going to talk about today?
2: So today we're going to listen to the excellent album by Bloomsday called The Day the Colors Died. Awesome. And this came out in 1996, I think, right? Yeah, 1996. Pretty
0: <laughs> excited. This album's super easy to find today, right? Like you can just go on Spotify or Apple Music, or and just. It's easy for me to point. find
2: because I go to my carefully alphabetized CD collection and pull it off the shelf. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really do streaming much, so. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> it's not easy to find on streaming. I'll say that. <laughs> nope.
0: <laughs> there, there is a version on YouTube, which is helpful.
1: Yep. Thank goodness.
0: So, how did uh, returning to this album after all these years make you feel? Or were you returning to it? Have you listened to it along the way?
2: I, I've listened to it off and on throughout the years. I mean, it's probably been a couple of years, maybe. But, you know, it's it's in fairly regular rotation around this house. Like, I, I love it. You cool. know, I'm just going to say up front. Cool. So. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, uh, before we uh, jump in and start talking about more, why don't you tell us a bit about the history of the band?
2: So... The history of the band is kind of mysterious. You actually came up with a better history than I was able to come up with. <laughs> I've never really known a lot about them. The biggest connection I had with them, at least before Bloomsday, actually, was Blake and Steve from the band. Blake Westcott and Steve Leslie were in a band called Statement of Faith. Mm-hmm. And I think they put out one CD before this. I It's actually the first place I ever heard them. I had a compilation from Metro One Records called Hi, Here's Our Alternative Compilation. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one or not and it had one song by statement of faith on it so that was the first place i ever heard the blake westcott vocals and you know was intrigued uh from that point never heard anything more of that band um but then you know when blooms they came out was able to make that connection back they're based in seattle and that's that's mostly what i got i don't want to like i mean i don't want (laughs) to steal the research you found because you found more than i did
0: i uh, i'll go into it then yeah sure um of course as you mentioned that Blake was in a Statement of Faith along with Steve Leslie, although their album says that Statement of Faith is Blake and I forget who the other person Dan was. Wolf. but Dan Wolf. sorry, yes. There we go. It's on my list here too. And it was self-published. It was not on a label. Leslie played in it, but he wasn't listed as a member of the band. Um, so that's, that's interesting. Hmm. Leslie was also a founder of the group Resistance, which was kind of a I guess a prog rock slash goth band. Uh, that's what I read. Um, that put out an album in 1994 that was self-titled. That, that's the only more research I got than you. For, <laughs> for,
2: uh, yeah, there's not a lot of information about them out there.
0: Of course, as you said, this was uh, they, signed a, they signed to they signed to brainstorm at some point, and we got this album. Although not a lot, not sure how a lot of that happened.
1: <laughs> I mean, Clifton, one thing you did send me, you said that Gene Eugene, you know, from Brainstorm, saw them perform live and then just offered them a recording contract on the spot. Yeah. Now where he saw that, them. That, you know, who knows.
0: That was just from some random guy who was who was selling a CD and he was given like a history of the <laughs> of the band and like and and but it's it's more than I have for other places. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean it, it sounds just, good. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Something like that had to have happened. <laughs> All right. What did what did statement of faith sound like?
2: Uh it was probably a little more poppy than this but you know definitely had the same and the vocals are unmistakable and again i only heard that one song from them i never got Mm -hmm. the whole album but yeah a little bit more a little bit more poppy a little bit more like like early 90s sound you know
0: yeah on Discogs they're listed as being world music and that world music from the 90s scares me cuz that that's uh yeah would, there's a lot of weird things I would going not right
2: describe there. it as that it's just a little more jangly Good. like early 90s rock okay. you know
0: okay
2: yeah. yeah definitely not world music <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right so Phil when did this uh, when did this album come into your life
2: so it was shortly after it came out probably late 96 or early 97 i don't know the exact day but it was however long it took for the local like, Christian bookstore to dump it th- into the bargain bin. Um, basically, <laughs> I was, you know, you guys have kind of touched on this before, but I was, you know, poor high school student and <laughs> had very limited funds to buy stuff. And so EPs, compilations and bargain bin was kind of my like go to. Mm-hmm. And um, when I saw this in there and I recognized like that Brainstorm logo on there, I had a few you know compilations from them previous like biscuits and mm-hmm. browbeats by that point. And I was like, yeah, I got to check these guys. And plus, just a glance at that artwork, yeah. you know, with like pills on the front. And I'm like, this is something different from what the other <laughs> stuff in this Christian bookstore is. So I yeah. picked it up.
0: Yeah. The, the, uh, I, I can definitely remember that the album cover got my attention at the time and, and had me <laughs> sitting down to, to listen to the album at least. Yeah.
1: And I don't know, I'm maybe getting sidetracked a little bit, but I don't know if you guys had more than one Christian bookstore in your town, but we did. And there were the ones that like, kind of were known for their music selection that you would go to, mm-hmm. but then there are the other ones that really weren't, but the bargain bin there usually would be exactly. great because no mm-hmm. one came in there to buy that stuff. Yeah. And this stuff exactly. quickly got relegated to there and you could just come in and score or the, they would sell the old <laughs> demo tapes, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things yep. too. And so, yeah, it was pretty wonderful. You just had to know where to go to find the stuff.
0: Yes. Same exact things, thing in my hometown where where... Yeah, the, the, the Christian there was a Christian book story where you went for the better selection, but then you, you would find the really weird stuff in the bargain bin at the other one. Yeah.
3: Yep.
2: <laughs> yeah. We had to drive a little further. It's yeah. weird because I did grow up in Southern California, but we were in a little mountain ski community in Southern California. And so we didn't have the bookstore. We had to drive like a couple hours to get to that. Oh, wow. Which is kind of how I started getting into music be, you know, and promoting it and stuff because there was nothing going on in my little town. So mm-hmm. I would bring the bands to us
0: on your on your first experience with this what wh- was it love at first sight did it take you a while to get into it how how did it yeah how'd you feel about it at the time
2: i instantly fell in love with it it, it was <laughs> instantly became it part of like the regular rotation i the you know again the presentation with the like the minimal liner notes and stuff like just it created this sort of like mystery around them because mm-hmm. i'd never like seen them you know i'd seen a lot of these bands that were in the store and i've never seen them hadn't read a lot about them and then there's no lyrics and there's like this almost empty you know liner notes inside and yeah it was intriguing and i just musically loved it and it just felt like yeah this is where it felt like it was very like contemporary to a lot of the other you know Mm -hmm. indie rock or whatever you want to call it around at that time you know yes emo-ish stuff i guess
0: yeah, probably more so than most of the other things that were being sold in, in the Christian bookstore, even on in the alternative section. Yeah, yeah, it, it's something that I often think about. That kind of the mystery that surrounded so many bands back back in the in the in the nineties and early two thousands. Even you know is that today you literally can't like if you go to Spotify and you want to be a spot an artist on Spotify, you have to upload a picture of the band like with faces, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Back then. We knew nothing like it was yeah. the mystery was kind of part of the uh, well, I mean, it created a mystique, right? It was just part of the 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 feel of this thing where where sometimes you just didn't know anything. Sometimes you just had this album that came out of nowhere and, and never went anywhere. And but it just yeah, it, it I, I think there is a, a unique appreciation when there's that much mystery to something where you can't go and say, well, this pro- this person was going through this in their life. So they probably they probably wrote this based on that, which is fun. But when you don't have that, you're just it's it, it's a completely different experience of uh, experience in the music,
2: absolutely. That mystique. you know, I'm the kind of guy. I don't know if you guys are. like I'll read every part of the line notes. I'll pour mm-hmm. through every name on the thank <laughs> you list to see, like, oh, these guys know that band. That makes sense how this guy was recording here. blah, blah. like I would study every <laughs> single aspect of it and get to know that like I knew more about the bands than they knew probably, yeah. you know, so <laughs> yeah, having that mystery and trying to dig into it and solve it, it just added to the whole experience. Yes.
0: Did this play a role in your life? Did it did it shape any part of your life? Did it change the music that you liked? Anything like that?
2: I mean, I don't, I don't think it changed it. You know, I was very much into this, you know, scene already, but I listened to it a lot with my then girlfriend, now wife. And so, you know, I mean, it was one of those that was in constant rotation around our dating time. So like when I popped it in recently, she's like, Oh, I love this album. You know, it was just like instant triggers there. So <laughs> that's about it. I don't think it changed anything, but it was yeah. definitely just a cool album that was listened to a lot.
0: Yeah. That's pretty cool. Jay, did you have any experience with this album at the time?
2: So I
1: remember seeing it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh
1: I didn't own it. Uh I may have heard it once or twice. The one thing I do remember about Bloom's day is I had a Velvet Blue music compilation with a song off their EP after this mm-hmm. a song called Tuesday to Thursday that I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, for some reason though, I never like bought that EP, never bought this album. I don't, I, you know, it's just at the time, I guess I was into other stuff or forgot about it, but I, that was my only experience with Bloomsday was that song. And I still love that song. In fact, I just sent it to you, Cliff, and I think yesterday or the yeah. day before, it's like, you got to hear this. So definitely Bloomsday was like, like a positive, you know, positive connotation in my mind. I yeah. just, hadn't really heard anything else
0: was that comp in your christian bookstore or did you get that through mail order type stuff
1: oh that's a good question because i feel like velvet this is really side trip i feel like velvet blue initially had a few albums that were kind of like in bookstores Mm -hmm. and kind of not but then really stopped yeah so i i don't know or i picked it up maybe because i went to cornerstone that summer in 96 and maybe i picked it up there some i don't know Somewhere I got a hold of a Velvet Blue compilation that had that song.
3: Cool,
0: yeah. I don't, I don't remember Velvet Blue stuff being in in bookstores. Phil, do you remember that?
2: We we had them in Southern California, but okay. it's very possible it's because the bookstore I went to was a few miles from his house. You know, so <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how widely it was distributed beyond that, but yeah. I I always ordered my VBM stuff directly from those awesome light blue like mailers you would send out. There was nothing like seeing that light blue paper show up in the mail, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> that's what's going to be new this month you know it's p- I, this is why i don't do streaming stuff because i have such fond memories tied to like physical things like right. going to a piece of paper and then sending a check in the mail to someone <laughs> or you know holding a cd in my hand and arena you can't do that when you're on spotify it's not right. the same it's true no it's true it,
0: it's it's a very it's a very different experience and you know, yeah it's lacking something i, I agree All right, well, let's jump into this album. And uh, Phil, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Day the Colors Died?
2: All right, so this is, you know, the opening track, the title track. And uh, I mentioned here, I know it's kind of lame to have like track one as your favorite song, but, (laughs) and the title track, no less, but it is. It's my favorite song on the album. Yeah. You know, again, because there was no lyrics with this, I never really knew. In fact, for the whole album, I never really knew what this album was about. It was not one that I would, like, sing along with more, right. like, just kind of listen to it as a whole. Mm-hmm. So I just liked, you know, the feel of this song and, and you know, there's colors or something they're singing about. <laughs> um, I don't know. I always thought it was about drugs because that's what was on the front <laughs> cover. It's kind of what I thought most of this album was about. So I don't know if that's correct or not, but, you know, <laughs> that's pretty could be.
0: This song is so good that literally I listened to this song at the time and, but I don't, I never got into the rest of the album, which is why I didn't really have an experience with the rest of the album. So when we came to do this, to this episode, I literally set this song aside and it was the last, I didn't do it until, until yesterday. I, I, I didn't listen to the song again until yesterday because I wanted to experience the rest of the album without this song to see if this song is kind of poisoning the rest of the album with how, because it's not just so good, but it's also just so different, Right. Where, nah. Whereas we'll, we'll we'll talk about what the rest of the album talks about sounds like later, but this one has more of like a driver eight or puller sound to me than than it does even the rest of the album.
2: I could definitely hear that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I agree with both of you. I um, this is my favorite song on here too. <laughs> I think <laughs> to me, it feels like the most kind of like I don't know, fully formed is the right way to. Say. It, it, maybe it just sounds a little more mature than some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of wonder if it was maybe like one of the last songs they wrote for this, like you know, more recently when they recorded this because for well, we'll talk about just the same in a minute, but that one I think is probably one of their earliest songs, <laughs> just the style of it. And this one sounds much more developed. I also like listening to this whole album. I got this sense, but this song, especially like I would have loved to see this live because mm-hmm. it actually really gets loud in parts, but mm-hmm. maybe it's the way this album's mixed or maybe just because his vocals are still kind of so kind of smooth and soothing sounding. You, you, you could forget how loud it actually is, I, I don't know, in the mix or something. But yeah. I think mean, live, it would really hit you, you know, these and different parts in here.
0: We kind of talked about this when we talked about the Mer Babies, Jay, is that there's a lot of fuzzy guitars in this album. And yeah. that, that 90s style of mixing them kind of into the background, whereas live, they would have just been hitting you in the face, you know, <laughs> is is very right. interesting. And, and, and this song has that too. I mean, this song has some fuzzy fuzzy delicious guitars that just sit right in the background and and they they don't take over the song but they just they just provide this like chill feel throughout throughout the song and it's Back in-
2: pretty great <laughs> and i can confirm too because i i interned with jackson rubio uh for a while in college oh, cool. did a lot of sound for Babies and those songs hit like in a totally different way live <laughs> like and i can it makes me like just I, like you said i would love to have seen bloomsday because yeah. you can just tell those shows were intense especially mm-hmm. some of those like just oh those punchy like chugga chugga things they do yeah. it, it's very subtle on the mix here but i know live it was huge
0: yeah and there's there's some there's some really nice drum parts in this song especially that that just really like there there's a there's a uh there's a, like a little drum fill that, that that brings us into the chorus the it's not even big it's just like those those few like those few uh hits on the ride cymbal It's just I don't know. There's something. There's something gorgeous about it that takes you into the, uh, into the into the chorus there. Yeah. And understated. Maybe yeah. that's the word I'm looking for here.
1: The drums are kind of busy on this album. Like I noticed mm-hmm. them in some other songs too. When I really was kind of listening to different parts, and and not in a bad way, but they're doing quite a bit when you start kind of tuning in to that mm-hmm. part. Phil, one other. Th- I agree with you. One other part I liked is kind of when he's. I don't know if it's a chorus or whatever, but there's kind of like a breakdownish part when he says and I think this is what he's saying because we don't have the lyric sheet, <laughs> but when he says like, Why find yourself into me now? It's like that kind of got that chugga-chugga like guitar in there. It's Yeah. It's, and and it has yeah.
0: got the really, really squiggly guitar here. And the song goes out on those same squirreling guitars. It's
1: Yeah, he's got like some kind of fiddly stuff in the background towards the end and the Mm -hmm. distortion stuff that I I really, really like. And again, I think I I scoured YouTube for videos. Now, a band (laughs) called Bloomsday, there's lots of stuff on there that has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with this (laughs) band, Um, but I could not find any. If anyone listening has any videos of this or any of the other bands we've talked about that have no videos up, please upload them because... This would be cool to see. Uh,
2: Agreed.
0: Do we want to try to break down these lyrics? Because
2: (laughs) it's either drugs or a breakup song. It's gotta be (laughs) one of those two. I agree.
0: (laughs) It's one of those two. (laughs) To me, the colors dying almost seems like a reference to like, like a light depression where like everything's kind of losing its taste and interesting qualities. And that he's kind of like, what I find really interesting is that he's like personified it where the colors dying is something the colors are doing actively doing to him, like mm-hmm. because they don't love him anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I mean, to me, I prefer a lyric that makes you think, and maybe you don't really know what it's about.
0: Mm-hmm. Me too.
2: That to me, that's, that's good songwriting or lyric writing to me, you know? Yes. I like it.
0: Agreed. And, and yeah, there. and this, this song and really this whole album, we'll see that the lyrics are really aimed, I think more around, creating emotional response than telling yeah. a story or or making something blatantly obvious
2: yeah i also really like to again not knowing what it means but that it talks about the colors dying and then it's you know black and white as opposed to all the colors and then the artwork you know the front cover is mm-hmm. very monochrome the inside is you know similarly you know just a couple colors but then you've got the hyper saturated artwork yeah on the flip side, the flip side yeah of all the paper and you know in the band photos, and it's just a really cool juxtaposition. I don't know what it means, but I love how it all fits together. They had a really clear overall artistic you know mm-hmm. goal or vision in mind. Yeah, and I love that they put it all together.
0: And 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 it could just be cost, but I do love that like the the one side that's just like the picture of the of the spilled pills is is in black and white, right? Yeah. I mean, it is cheaper to print in black and white, so maybe that's it. But also, it works really well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they made they took that limitation and made it Ex- into an art. Exactly, state.
0: exactly, and that's that's always the best art. <laughs> Let's move on then. I could say something about every song on this album, by the way, because we're we're gonna skip uh, patience here. But it's uh it's a really good song. I like it a lot. All right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I only skipped some because you said I had to, right. and I even went one more <laughs> than you said I should. But it's it was hard, you know, to eliminate. I said skip some of the longer ones. I said you know, five cause... or so. Or so six is or so yes
0: exactly <laughs> seven is too many four is probably too few
2: <laughs> sweet spot <laughs> six. Yep.
0: all right and so we're gonna skip on to just the same why are we talking about this one
2: so I wanted to mention this one because I, I think I think Jay you said it, it's definitely seems a little more primitive a little older style than some of their other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's probably my least favorite song on the album. I still love it. It's still, you know, good and it fits in there. But when you're looking at it as an individual track, it's probably, you know, one of the weaker ones. Although I still, it's one of the few parts I do sing along with, you mm. know, is that chorus because you can recognize what he's saying there, yeah. which may or may not be a good thing, you know. Well, I know
4: it's just so I but my
0: Yeah, I you know, it it's it's a little more jangly than the rest of it, and I like jangle pop, and this song annoys me. <laughs> like like there I don't know, there's something about that guitar like and here we go. You ready for this guitar? I hate that.
2: Yeah, it also is probably the song that's the most similar to their Statement of Faith stuff, which definitely tracks, you know, like you were saying with that progression. So,
1: yeah, I even went to Statement of Faith on Discogs to see if this song, like if this was just re-recorded from that <laughs> album. It was not on their previous album, but I thought
2: maybe. But it sounds just the same. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: yeah, funny. Okay.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I'm a dad. Of, uh, took me a second. <laughs>
1: Also, it to me seems the most upfront Christian lyrics mm-hmm. on this album, too. I mean, some of the, I guess some of the other ones are as well, but this one is just really like, no question what he's talking about with that.
2: This was their attempt to get airplay on radio, for sure, on, on the Christian radio stations.
0: Whereas the first song was their attempt to get airplay on not Christian stations? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I think could have worked if someone had just sent it to the right people, probably.
2: Yeah. And there's one, I mean, again, depending on, you know, where you're coming from with like belief system is one thing, but just lyrically alone, the line in you, I must believe (laughs) that's kind of cheesy, like no matter who's saying it like that's because a lot of this stuff, you know, the, the other songs we'll talk about, like. Where it is a little more Christian-y, the way it's delivered, first of all, I never would have known, and second of all, it just it sounds cool when he says it. Yeah. In you, I must believe, even he can't quite make sound cool.
0: Yeah, I, it, it, it's, it, that line sounds like a pocket change line to me. Um, <laughs> uh,
2: just... Well, and I, let me read you the whole thing so the listeners
1: know. He says, well, I know it's just the same, still I wallow in my shame, but my pain you will receive, so in you I must believe. Yeah, ouch. Like The yeah. lyrics are better on every song. Besides yep. this one, I don't, I don't know what, again, it feels like, oh, you need to have 10 songs on this album. You only got nine. Let's put one of those older ones on there and
2: you know, we're done.
0: Did, <laughs> no. did they need 10 songs? Cause I mean, it's plenty yeah. long. It's,
3: yeah, a it's
2: long album. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, you know, I've always listened to this album like as a whole and not thinking, I don't usually think of it as separate songs cause it's just sort of like one big piece. <laughs> so when we sat down and I was looking at this for this podcast i didn't know those songs were so long i had no idea (laughs) i just thought of it as an album i listened to like 11 minutes nine minutes that's yeah
0: six and and a half minutes yes there's there's some long songs. they bleed into each other a lot yeah yeah Yeah. speaking of a long song i think jay wanted to talk about song of five
1: i did mostly the lyrics but we could talk about the music (laughs) (laughs) um, for a minute too you know it Go ahead, Cliff. It's not a bad song. No,
0: musically, musically. I think it's great. And even this, uh, the opening guitar lick, which I, I really like here. That, that's really great, I think. Yeah. It is really slow, though, and I think that one of the things this album suffers from is being a little too slow overall. Other than what we just talked about, just the same, which is not the best song in this album. It's probably the worst song in this album. Not all the songs are slow. There's like, at best, we get like some medium tempo songs.
2: Which is why it works so well as, like, a big listen to it as a chunk in the background Yes. Yep. while you're on a date album, as opposed to, like, <laughs> I'm going to throw this on at the youth group and get all the kids dancing. Yeah.
0: Right. Also not like a driving album, for example, because you, right. you would drive right off the road. Um, <laughs> whether that's because you fell asleep or because you're ready to end it all. One of, the, one of those two reasons is going to take you off the road. <laughs> end it all because it's a sad album, not because you're tired of the album. <laughs> all right, Jay. Talk about the lyrics well, here. <laughs>
1: I just want to point out one other thing I like about the song is that intro that you played is the exact same way the song ends too. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice. The song really builds; it gets loud and everything, and then it ends back with that same part you played, which is kind of cool way to to do it. Yeah. So the you know, and I we don't have the lyrics. We did our best to try to transcribe them. Um, oh, and to take a break and- there,
0: Phil did uh, 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 the first pass at the, all these lyrics except for this song, I think, and. That's a, that, that was a heroic feat. Thank
2: you, Yeah, Phil. thank you, Phil. <laughs> uh, no guarantees on the accuracy, but sure. I did my best. I,
0: I, I, I made my, some, some things that I thought... I put some things in there that I thought it said, but yeah. You, you, without your uh, scaffolding there, it would have been almost impossible to try this.
2: <laughs> it took a so,
1: while. So, <laughs> in this song, he... I, the first part, I'm not sure what he's talking about. But he does say in there, I awoke from something like a dream, only asking what all can it mean. And he says, now you whisper in my ear. Now you speak, it's so clear. And then he says, I'm awake. I hear the answer. You know, I'm assuming he's talking about God and all that when he says, you whisper. But then he says, I am safe. I can hear my master. And when I heard that word master, I was like, huh, interesting. Because I don't think we've heard that word yet in any of the albums we've covered, right?
0: I think
1: you're right. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we hear bands use the word Lord mm-hmm. a lot, which is kind of close, but yeah. we haven't heard Master. And, and Clifton, let me ask you, if God is your master, then what mm-hmm. does that make
0: you? Oh, slave, obviously.
1: Right. So, and to me, that's kind of problematic. I started thinking more about it.
2: Or um, yeah, that... servants. Yeah, you know, it's... in a, in a British... Yeah, okay yeah, that, all right I, fair I think, I think
0: that's a very american <laughs> uh, you know uh, uh understanding of the language because lord and master are very similar words right so and, and yeah lord just means someone who rules over someone else so it could just mean subject even
1: Alright, alright, fair. Okay, so I I'm I'm a teacher and I teach, you know, US history. So I guess I'm thinking when I hear master, I'm like, uh oh, like kinda like red flags kind of yeah. thing. And I'm thinking I I will tell you, if you Google master slave relationship, you'll get a lot of BDSM stuff, which is new to me. <laughs> I didn't know that, <laughs> that was kind of a thing. It's but if you dig a little more <laughs> You can find some stuff, um, and I, I guess part of me and allow me to go on a little sidetrack here. And again, you guys may be, this may be wrong, but um, if you think about the history of our country, you know, up until about the Civil War, we had about 200 years of like master-slave relationships. And I kind of think we have to be careful when we throw around the word master, you know, just mm-hmm. because it can kind of put you in that. And I did find online i thought this was pretty interesting i found an article just kind of talking about that relationship and how it's referred to in the bible and you know paul talks about like you know slaves and how they relate to their masters and all that stuff this and this is i'm just i'm going to quote part of this it is from somebody named alex Hanho ip is his name um and it is called it's in a journal called scrinium and it's called a christian response to the conflicting relationship between slave and master in a christian household <laughs> just allow me just to point out a couple of things that i thought he did a really good job of saying like this is why this is maybe problematic he said slavery is not about an objectifying relationship it's like the economic essence of a slave you know the purpose of objectifying is clear since by objectifying the slave the master can gain the maximum return from it by using it or selling it the reason for objectifying a slave is to make it a product that can be sold only a product can generate and store value so you're kind of Objectifying somebody and commodifying them. And another thing he talks about in the article is a manipulating relationship, right? Like, you know, he says it refers to the way an underlying motives behind giving certain room for humanity towards slaves are mainly driven by the master's self interest in the economic concern, which is in conflict with the fundamental Christian teaching of loving your neighbor as yourself. I won't quote everything, but. You know, people would, with slaves, for instance, they would falsely promise them, like, okay, if you do this and this, you'll get your freedom, mm-hmm. and they would never give it to them. I don't know if you guys ever watched the the um, TV show What We Do in the Shadows, but Guillermo always <laughs> thinks he's going to get turned into a vampire, and that's yes. why he wants to help them, but he never does. It's just like that kind of <laughs> continuing thing. But I, I don't know. I don't want to get... I know I'm, like, derailing everything, but I think it's important to think when we use that word master because that master-slave relationship is, like, the opposite of, like, trust and love, (laughs) which is what you would want to have in a relationship. You know, it's objectification, it's commodification, it's manipulation. And so, I don't know, I heard that and I was just like, whoa! And it made me think about, like, growing up. We didn't say that a lot in church, but it wasn't completely foreign. Mm -hmm. And I think back and I'm like, okay, I'm a white male. Um, I have a feeling if I'd grown up black in a black church, we wouldn't be throwing this around, you know, so quickly and and saying things that way. And it just, I don't know, I thought more about that as I listened to some of the other songs on this album, and I thought, oh man, if you're referring to God as your master, that's not the same kind of relationship he wants to have with him in some of these other songs, you know, where he wants him close and wants to feel trust and love. Like, to me... And even if you're thinking of it servant-master, to me, that doesn't feel like the same type of relationship is like a loving god-father type thing. Maybe I'm completely off, guys. I don't know. That's my (laughs) little tangent. But anyway, there we are.
2: (laughs) I think there's some valid points in there, to be sure. I still think, though, that, like, I I doubt that that was his intention in that, Sure. whether or not that word choice is, you know, good, especially if it holds up now. But, like, you know, when Alfred calls Bruce Wayne Master Wayne, I don't think he's thinking in that way. Again, that's a British way of it, you know. But it may be poor word choice now, but I don't think that was the original intention anyway. Fair,
3: fair. And that's I I'm
2: and, saying.
1: And I and we do this all the time. I'm, like, picking on something this guy wrote, like, 25 years ago <laughs> when he was probably, like, 22 years, 21, right. <laughs> 22 years old. Like, I said crazy stuff then, too. I just, like... It just made me think, and even the how we would, we would throw around the word Lord and stuff, which is kind of a really interesting thing that we would always say about God, but we, it's very antiquated, right? You don't use that language anywhere else in your life and just makes you think about like, you're wanting this relationship with God, but you're referring to him in this really impersonal way that doesn't imply a lot of trust and what, I don't know. It's just, it's more that I need to break down probably beyond this episode, but, um, it's interesting the language we
2: used. It brings to to mind a lot of the stuff that we said that, you know, growing up in church, you heard all these words, whether they're offensive or just weird that you would use only in that context. And then it makes it weird for everyone else. (laughs) Yeah. who You're having a conversation with or writing lyrics for like you don't talk that way. But when you are writing lyrics, even outside of like Christian music, they use a lot of words that, you know, you don't normally use because it's music and you're trying to make it fit into the the meter or whatever. So. (laughs) true again like i don't disagree with you but just in defense of probably you know young blake was not thinking (laughs) this i'm a slave now no and
1: i yeah and i don't think he was either yeah it just made me kind of think more about man that was you know i can remember kind of using that and gosh i didn't really think about what that was really saying we
2: throw that around. Yeah. So. I would recommend against it now. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Probably not the best thing to be.
0: <laughs> well, but yeah, you, you're, you're even right with the word Lord though, because, and, and, you know, American Christians especially only use that word in reference to one thing. And so it's, it's, it's lost all, all meaning in the sense of what, what it once meant. You know, it, it you know, because as you said, it, it's not a personal relationship. You, you don't, a subject doesn't have a personal relationship with their king, even if we're looking at that, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, or, or if it's not even on of king, maybe it's something more local, but you still don't have that personal relationship. So yeah, it, it is a very impersonal thing. Um, so that's, that's, that's very interesting. I, I think that, you know, especially I think even more today where there's much more, emphasis put on individuality in conservative evangelical Christianity, where if you actually sat down and went over that relationship with, with some people, they would be, they would, they, they would bristle at it. You know, they would, they would not be comfortable with that relationship.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Well, thank you for allowing my aside. On- <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: We're going to skip blue poetry, even though it's a, uh, it's kind of a beautiful song. another long one this one's uh, over nine minutes long (laughs) and we're gonna go on to vitamin so phil why don't you introduce us to vitamin
2: all right so this one opens up and clifton you have a lot better music words that you use but it almost feels like a waltz at the beginning am i like (laughs) totally off on that that's that's what it feels like that's
0: interesting let's 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 play a little bit that here because i went in a completely different direction you're right it does yeah mostly it just reminded me of Sunday real estate
1: oh okay so fair. so the in, Can you can you pull up another are you able to pull up another song can you pull up in serenading by mineral because I swear the beginning of that song sounds like this song yeah to me. of course um a little bit it, when I played it later I was like eh, I wanted to see what you guys think I mean,
0: yeah, it has. I mean, it has the same da 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 break 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 kind of thing to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's not as much of a waltz as as as.
2: Phil was yeah, it's not it, as like
1: waltzy, that. and I, I hadn't heard the waltz. Until you said it, but now that makes
2: sense. Interestingly enough, that mineral song was two years later, so maybe they yep. were. Yes. I know. Who knows? You know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> more more than more than likely, they're both just huge fans of Sunny Day Real Estate.
2: yeah Yeah, that's true more basically (laughs) yeah yeah but i i I think that they do this a lot in a lot of the songs this album but i love the way that the dynamics where it's real mellow and it kind of like builds up and then you get a great like noisy chorus and soaring vocals just that Mm -hmm. i love that I realize that describes like pretty much every like 90s emo song, or whatever, but, but they do it great. They and do. I really like it in the song. Yeah. Also, I feel like those vocals on this song, like just he, it's so passionate. Like, I would love to have seen him do this live because I feel like even in the studio, he's able to just get this emotion across mm-hmm. that is just so intense. Um, and I think this is another song about drugs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i hadn't considered that but let's uh let's come back to that that's very really interesting <laughs>
2: Cause it's called vitamin It's called vitamin I mean. you're right
0: like i was staring at the title right when you said that and i was like oh yeah <laughs> yeah so one thing that i want to talk about on this song is this is not the first song that this is obvious on in the album is first one we're talking about where it's really obvious and like i said th- this is just highly sunny day real estate influence to me from the vocals to the guitars, everything sounds like Sunday. Day. I mean, I don't want to say it's a direct rip off of Sunday day real estate, but if there's a song on this album, that's the most direct rip off of Sunday day real estate. It's this one. <laughs> <laughs> the other ones, you know, the earlier songs on the album sound very influenced by Sunday real estate, but don't sound like a ripoff. This one does sound like a sun. This one could be a Sunday day real estate song. I will say that Blake in his vocals pulls it off wonderfully he has uh you know the these those these long kind of whiny vocals that that appear throughout this song um that very similar to how jeremy does and and especially when you get to the end where he's where, where the 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 vo- the lyrics uh it, it's it's in the bridge he says i can't place it i hold it life he uh My
3: yeah yeah
0: and, and interestingly it's also the same word that jeremy kind of pulls one of his uh nice uh vocal riffs on on the uh poor old lou um straight oh Six i
1: was wondering i thought yeah. of that too yeah yeah good yeah good, good connection good fine there yeah you know it's funny my notes just say yeah this is a pretty emo sounding song um <laughs> so- and i did note i did note i said i wish they could make the louder parts even louder mm-hmm. like i that's my one thing on this album i i i don't know how to you know i don't know how to really record this stuff but i would love it to just be more intense those mm-hmm. loud parts because i think live this would have been something to behold yeah
2: it- that ending with a like stop start part yeah 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 that hits so good
0: And Jay, I'm, I'm, I'm really there with you on, first off, I think this band need another guitarist. Like they need yeah. another layer of guitars going on. They often do, but like, just cause it's double tracked or they don't like, they don't have that live. Right. The way the album is mixed, you can feel that the energy is there. And I, I went back and listened to Sunday day real estate after, after listening to this, just to see what the difference was recorded. Because uh, first off the drummer, the drummer for, on this band is good but yeah. he's not as good as the Sunday real estate drummer. Um that guy is insanely good. And, and he's able to bring just this ridiculous energy which I think is how a lot of Sunday real estate gets their their recorded um sound it is is just through his energy. And it's it, he's not super he's not perfect, right? There's some imperfections in his playing that that are very interesting But also, there's just something with the mixing here where they 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 never let those guitars roar roar forward, you know. Yeah, and that and it it, that holding back really is disappointing on the album because you know it's there, right? And it's part of what makes this album not work in a way because it it's very it's very even. The whole album is very even. There's no huge moments in this album, and I think those lack of huge moments are because they never let that come out in the guitars and the drums are there to put on top of it, but it's just not I don't know, it's not there.
2: I could see that it it has like a fort, a very eveny, you know, it's even across the board, mm-hmm. like but when you're listening closely, you've got those headphones yeah. on, yeah. the dynamics are there. And it had it been mixed differently, I think mm-hmm. I think just a remix of the stuff they recorded could really make it pop even that mm, much more. Possibly so who knows where those tracks are these days. <laughs> right. <laughs> if,
0: if they're anywhere, yeah, because uh, it was it was like months after this that Brainstorm ceased to exist. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm gonna argue with you here, Jay, about the emo thing. Okay. Even though there's a lot of Sunday Real Estate here, you know, Sunday Real Estate took emo and added a lot of indie rock into it and a little bit of grunge. I think we're hearing everything, but the emo from the Sunday mm. Real Estate from the Sunday Real Estate influence. Okay. I think we're hearing a very Sunny Day Real Estate sound that's mostly their indie rock and a little bit of grunge sound.
3: Yeah,
1: overall, I wouldn't call this album emo, but there's a couple of songs that this is one of them that I
4: kind of thought... It it, it flirts with it,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, but I think we're getting the other parts of Sunny Day Real Estate here, not so much the emo part. And there's some more great fuzzed-out guitars on this uh, this song. Um, They're straight out of the 90s. Of course, it's from the 90s. Um, (laughs) And And what I love about this is, is the, the bass really pulls it along because the guitars are so fuzzed out that what we're hearing is actually just a speaker crackling because there's too, it's being overfed. Like, there's just too much being forced into the speaker that we're just hearing a speaker crackle and make noise. Like, <laughs> if it wasn't for the bass, we wouldn't hear notes, you know? <laughs> I think we should get into the lyrics, though, because I think this is some of the best vocals and even even though the lyrics are really light on this one, I think they would do a really good job of evoking a feeling.
2: Well, I mentioned earlier that I thought it was about drugs <laughs> and a part of it is vitamin. And obviously the artwork, you know, hints at that. But also there's that line. Sometimes it's sugar that I need. Yeah. He's talking about things he's craving. And I feel like maybe it's struggling with that, you know, addiction or something. I don't know. But that's my guess.
0: Huh. Interesting. So what are your lyrics for that, for that, for that verse? And this is me building off of your lyrics, but I have yeah. sometimes it's sugar that I need for it's the others that, so that in time I can fill your kind.
2: That's pretty much what I had. I looked at yours okay. and I kind of like merged it with mine, <laughs> listened again and did my best. And it's more or less that. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. Sentence, but no. <laughs>
0: it's parts of sentences, but it's not anything in and of itself
2: but it's sugar that he needs. And then there's others that he can feel their kind. Sometimes other drugs. I tell you, I won't lie. If you find me lost inside, slowly recovering where I fell. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's like falling apart and you know, it's withdrawals or something else. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: and in the next song, either he or Pablo talks about being high. So, you know, it does it does Pretty work
2: sure yeah yeah
0: it's <laughs> Phil said this whole album may be about uh drugs so it's hard to say it,
1: it could <laughs> be <laughs> i mean the, also the lyrics on this one are a little bit emo lost inside yeah you know mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff
2: there's plenty of that throughout yeah, uh, uh, a lot uh, of the lyrics here <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah
0: and I, I really like the slowly recover where i fell line. that, that uh yeah the lyric itself and the the way it, it comes across in the song is it's great
2: but as a teenager, like when I first got this, mm-hmm. hearing those things like this, or later on we hear like, save me from myself, all that kind of stuff. I was like, <laughs> yes, this is exactly how I feel every day. Yeah. Yep. I yeah. To totally, this, you know?
1: totally. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially the, you know, if you find me lost inside, that can be like lost inside myself or something like that, you know? Yeah. 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 Which is a very teenagery thing to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I This album feels like when I was 16, mm-hmm. basically yep. entirely.
0: And today a little bit, um, <laughs> wh- whether that be the pandemic or what, but uh, <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: true.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to Pablo's diary then.
2: Who's Pablo? Yeah. Who, who is Pablo and what did he write in his diary? Yeah. That was in my notes too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pablo Picasso. That's kind of <laughs> like the big one I came up with, eh, but interesting. I don't see any connection there. I just figured it was a friend. Is he getting high on God? Like, what, what's going on with Pablo in this? <laughs> and is he saying, I get high? That's what I think it is, but it could be, I get something else. I don't know. I always thought it was, I get
0: by, but I think uh-huh. you're right. It's definitely, I
2: get high. I think so.
0: I mean, I've listened to it over and over again, and and I, 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 I separated the vocals, you know, from this, and it, I, I I only hear, I get high.
2: <laughs> well, okay, so question, because Clifton, you definitely have more, like, direct musical knowledge what's that that bass the way the bass sounds it sounds like it's a synth or it's one of those like 80s you know metal bands when they would do a ballad they would have this bass like what does that sound
0: let's listen to it <laughs>
1: So my first notes for the song are, oh, I do not like the bass on the song. Really it really ruins the <laughs> beginning.
0: <laughs> so it's, it's it's a sort of jazzy bass with a lot of bends. And so what he's it it, it, it is a bass, um, bass guitar, and and he's just he's he's doing some quick mutes, and then there's some bends in there that are getting those other sounds. And it's funny because before I even got into the lyrics of this, I described those as as drags off of a cigarette kind of bass. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of chill. It's kind of jazzy, you know. But there's also this like weird like yeah. There's also this weird like tension to it.
2: Yeah, but I feel like the beginning of that song, I could hear a Bloomsday song following it, or it could be like Michael Bolton singing, yeah, yeah. On, or or anything like that totally. does not tell me what this rest of the album. It doesn't,
0: like. but it works really well.
2: <laughs> I think it does. That's an interesting. <laughs>
0: So Jay doesn't like this one. That's funny because either this one or vitamin is my second favorite song on the album. It's just, these these are both. I
1: like it once I get past that. But at the beginning, I'm like, meh. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you're right. If you just listen to that bass, it could easily just be, I mean, it could just be like, you know, some of like those dime a dozen, like, like bass or or, or jazz albums, you know? I mean, it could be almost anything at that point.
2: But it does kick in quite a bit more as the song progresses, mm-hmm. we get a little more distorted guitar. I like how in this one, like there's parts where the distortion is like like around like two two and a half minutes in mm-hmm. where there's like distorted guitars, but it's like way back in the mix. It almost sounds like they're in another room yeah. with like some distorted guitars. And I like that effect. I don't know, This just is really cool. Yeah, I have that
0: moment here noted too. Let's play that. <laughs> super fuzzy guitar and it just yeah. it sounds really cool in the back there but there's also part of me that just wants that to just just turn it up just let us rock out to this you know
2: <laughs> like I could see that it
0: it should be wall of sound but it isn't for some reason very disappointing
1: there's a part on this and I didn't write down the time but where it, things kind of cut out and the guitar kind of builds up like duh, 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 duh. it reminds me a lot of Hole by Pedro the Lion part in that song mm. that kind of does the same thing like dun, 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 dun. i listened to it it's not exactly the same but uh yeah you know and that was one like came the after same this year as, too right mm-hmm. yeah or maybe right after this or something and then, i know yeah. they were buddies because blake played in pedro the lion after yeah. this yeah. so there may have been a direct connection there but uh, <laughs> anyway. played drums
0: one of the many drummer casualties of pedro the lion <laughs> yeah he
1: also played well we'll talk more about it. he played guitar yeah. with them on at least one or two of the tours too
0: with so, david yeah. bazan not with pedro
2: Yo, yes, yeah, sorry, yes, you're yeah. right. <laughs> I know. Got to get technical here. <laughs> Details. <laughs> the now at, at at the end when he's like singing like I don't know. I think it's a bridge. It's the close or one of the closest spots he gets actually yelling on this album. I think mm-hmm. like, when he's like really uh, real gravelly on it, and I like that.
0: The the <laughs> forgive me, father, father, please.
2: Yeah. Oh, you
4: see. Father
0: Yeah, and that, that's, that's kind of the loudest they ever let the guitar get on this album until the, until the last song, which does get crazy again. Mm-hmm. And there, there's more than just a guitar going on there. there so there, there, there is that guitar rocking out, but there's another guitar doing like like pick slides and other like weird noises in the background as well. So I'm going to break in here for a second. See if you can notice how many different tracks are layered on top of each other. First, I'm going to play for you the left stereo, and then I'm going to play for you the right stereo channel. It's just beautiful it's kind of adding to the tension and and, and the feel of it yeah and they do that on the last one again too by the way
1: the first time i heard this i thought somebody was even like screaming in the background like way in the background yeah. and then i went back and listened really closely and they're not but i swear sometimes i still feel like i can hear it in there right at that part
0: that'd be interesting huh
1: yeah just really faint kind of in the background yeah so.
2: And then I noticed at the very end of the song, as it's trailing off, I'm pretty sure there's a little like synth kind of dragging out into the the fade-out, which I don't know if I could identify that the rest of the song or not.
0: Let's listen to it. Okay. I'm going to turn the volume up as it fades out.
2: Real high-pitched there, kind yeah, of? Yeah, it may just be feedback, but... Uh, it could be, but it almost sounds like a low... A little, it, it's a nice little drone, though. Yeah.
0: And who knows, that, that, that drone may exist through most of the song. That's, that's a very popular thing to do, especially in the 90s, of adding those, those drones in there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially on... I've always been told I like druggie music. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> this may fit into that. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to try to tackle these, uh, li- these uh, lyrics?
2: I mean, to me, these are like, like Paul and Romans, you guys are probably familiar, mm-hmm. the like, I do not understand what I do, but what I do not do, I do all that kind of stuff Yeah, where he's just struggling against what he wants. That's what this feels like to me. Yeah. Like, he wants to do one thing and he can't do it. And that's guilt, you know? Yeah.
0: And there's a lot of guilt. Um, And, and you know, so it, as you've mentioned, also, it's, it's probably a song about doing drugs because it definitely says I get high. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, and there's also the lyric here that says, um, and what you were just referencing, uh, what what I see, I don't want to be. Think of me, think I'd rather be. I deserve everything that I got. Yeah. And then then it goes into, you, I know, you're the single thing I deny. And so when we get to later on in the song, when it's very clear that I get high, I get high, I get high, I get high, (laughs) (laughs) that so it seems like someone's doing drugs, doesn't want to be. But is the reason he doesn't want to be doing drugs because he, it's hurting him somehow, or just because he feels guilty about it? Because to me, it just seems he just feels guilty about it because he doesn't think that God wants him to do drugs.
3: Yeah,
1: that. yeah, that seems about right. I mean, that was that's like you know, ninety percent of Christianity back felt, back then felt like you know, oh, I, <laughs> I'm not doing the right thing. Like yeah. I got to fix my life. You know, and
0: agreed with that. <laughs> <laughs> church was made way more a, a a list of things that uh, you weren't doing correctly than a, uh, than anything else
2: <laughs> which has always been bizarre to me that like uh, so many churches not every church i right. realize or whatever but it's always been such an emphasis on feeling guilty about doing the wrong thing and not measuring up and yet the whole premise of salvation is that you're forgiven and that you don't have to feel guilt mm-hmm. But yet here, you should still keep feeling guilty just in case, you know. <laughs> yes. You're forgiven, if, but still feel that guilt, you know. Yeah. and because if and, you
1: didn't, you might get high. Right. And you might enjoy it. <laughs> you might be the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. And sometime it would be really fun for you guys to talk directly with some of these artists that we don't know <laughs> at all about. And then to be like, dude, I was not even talking about that. I was talking <laughs> about sailing. You know, what do you guys yeah, think? Of <laughs> <at>? Yeah, of
3: course. Yeah.
0: If we can, if we could find Blake, I would love to talk to Blake about this album. It's, it's <laughs> be amazing. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not hard to find, but uh, I think Jay found him. But if we could actually talk to him, that that would be very interesting. And and, and build, building on that topic, you know, it, it's very interesting that you know churches give you all these reasons to to feel bad, and they're like, then 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 they turn around, and they're like, if you don't feel the love of God in here right now, then you 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 must not be saved. You're like, no, I just feel guilt. What, like, <laughs>
2: you know. <laughs> There's nothing like the like 180 turn that they do when they're doing like a an altar call. I can't tell you how many times I've sat here yeah. and I'm like, wait, you're gonna now? You just did this whole thing and now you're trying to do yeah. like a, a you know a salvation pitch? Yeah, and you just guilt tripped everyone in the room. I don't it's, know. It's it's almost I don't like that presentation. It's almost
0: gaslighting. Like it's 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 a little abusive, at, at, to be honest. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there is the the line I want to talk. The line in this song i want to talk about is i deserve everything that i got now maybe he's talking about something that went poorly but as far as a song presents i think he's got drugs and did he deserve the drugs to get high with like as a good thing that's that's where i'm coming from i i, I you know mm. i i deserved all those drugs and i enjoyed them
3: like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know be. i have a feeling that's not it no just based on the context and you know everything else but um but you know maybe
0: <laughs> so much regret in this album
2: definitely that it's very possible it's more like the consequences of having done drugs yeah. that he deserves yeah i'm guessing but you know you got
0: arrested yeah busted on <laughs> busted on charges yeah okay yeah all right let's move to a song that maybe isn't about regrets although phil i glanced at your notes and maybe and you found a way to put regret in here so let's uh (laughs) (laughs) this is all just guessing again but you know (laughs) all right i
2: remain yours yeah i love the opening of this song Mm -hmm. That like pick picking guitar picking bit it's real chill oh and then the chorus i love this song it's a great song yeah
0: there's very heavily there's I mean there's a lot of arpeggiated guitar on this album, but this one is like the most heavily arpeggiated and just kind of constant flowing. The bass and the drums are kind of lighter on this on this one because the, the, the guitar is so heavy. I'm, and by heavy I mean constant, not distorted.
2: Yeah. You're
4: the same.
0: Which is another thing I listen to at Sunday Real Estate. Kind of one of the ways that Sunday Real Estate I think gets their more mysterious sound is they have a little, they have more dirt, some more distortion on 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 these arpeggiated guitar parts, and so you can't quite tell what's going on as well. And and that that i think that's something that bloomsday does more a little more clean and we can see we can hear what's going on and so it doesn't get quite the same emotional impact i think
2: i do like the background vocals on this song mm-hmm. though like i i don't know I'm, I'm not sure how much more there's been previous but it's the first time this that is it the, out to the me.
0: first time there's background vocals on this whole album yeah okay yeah, yeah i noted good. that
1: as well first yeah. time yep <laughs>
2: Very uh, affirming for me to like have written this down, and then you guys like, saw it too. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm not crazy. That's good. No. Yeah. Nope. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> yeah we, which was part of my part of my note because I I'm, I made I did the songs in reverse order, and so when I said earlier that they need like, another guitarist, one of the other notes I made was because they need more background vocals.
2: <laughs> I like the laws though in this one. Yeah. The like la la la. Well, I can't do it. Yeah. It's the,
0: it's really the first time we did we get vocals that aren't aren't that aren't lyrics on this album. Yeah. There's a pretty gruff guitar on the uh, on the chorus here on this song. Now, while we're listening to this part right here, I want to I want to make a Loving. in circles. <laughs> a
1: yeah. Okay, Maybe. I can kind of see that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I could never figure out what he was saying on this chorus. By the way, like you guys had revolving written down, and I thought you hold me, you told me. I don't know. It's really hard to make it out.
2: I think it is. I think it is revolving. He said circles earlier. That's what made me. That's what tied that together for me. But
0: right. But then the second, the second line. I don't know what the second line is in the
2: chorus. It's tough. Uh,
1: This song, though, even though I don't know what he's saying on the chorus, I feel like it has more of a memorable chorus than (laughs) some of the other songs. Like this one kind of like was more of an earworm for me, even though I'm still like, "Mm -hmm." like, what is he saying? Yeah.
2: (laughs) So it's the part to me that sounded like, I mean, he's saying like, I'm sorry. He definitely says I'm sorry, (laughs) at least in there. Um, And then he says, come to me near nothing to fear. And then there's one point, yeah, love, I'll see you soon tonight. Or will you, something like that? I don't know. Yeah, I I thought maybe it was about, like, longing for another person, but.
0: I think it's more just like, you're, you're, the person is separated from, from someone they love, you know, maybe just by distance or something like that. I I especially like the, uh, um, the second, the second or third verse is memory is all I have far away. It seems so sad, but then back to the, um. The second verse, sit alone and think of you. The thoughts alone, they never do. I really like that.
2: Could be someone that passed away too. You know, there's some definitely Could be. some loss yeah. feeling in there.
0: The the chorus parts where it says, uh, "Come to me, nothing to fear inside." Love, love, do I see? Oh, will you be tonight, or where will you be tonight? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he's saying, "I wish you were here tonight." So I yeah. Don't know. I, I like your I like your little notes here, um, where you said a uh, sweet acoustic solo.
2: <laughs> I love that like falsetto <laughs> note he hits like at the very end of it. There, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of falsetto throughout <laughs> the album, and it's I think he pulls it off nicely.
0: So we're gonna skip soft even though i really like it it's a short song it's even pretty jesusy but i still like it it's a, it's a nice little song <laughs> and move on to wait the last song on the album
2: this is my fa- second favorite song easily yeah it does not feel i when i saw it was 11 minutes i'm like wait really and it doesn't feel like 11 <laughs> minutes i have no problem sitting through it and the different movements no. bring you through it like easy
0: yeah, and, and as I said, it really does feel like it has movements to it, where where the song kind of breaks and does different things, and and there's a some some nice uh, noodling, I think, in the song. It, it never feels like noodling annoys me, and it never feels like noodling here, but but it uh, it still has that kind of like very loose yeah. feel to it. The whole song is, but each yeah.
2: part feels purposeful, though. I don't think it's just like mm-hmm. jamming, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and this is another song where I think the bass is is really spectacular. And let me let me play a little bit of here. again some sunny real estate vibes there um but what i like about the bass there is it, it seems like somebody is just like fumbling around with a bass and accidentally doing the right thing um <laughs> and then like loses their loses their confidence and then like just kind of like 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 does like the bass kind of disappears for a moment you know <laughs> and so and really the whole song has that kind of like 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 i said like this really loose feel to it which, which it it kinda one of my favorite things that I identified what that I like about songs a long time ago is I like songs that always feel like they're gonna fall apart. <laughs> and this song always feels like it's about to fall apart. <laughs> for for eleven and some odd minutes. Yes. Yeah. Eleven minutes and eighteen seconds it feels like it's gonna fall apart.
2: <laughs> I do feel like the mix on this song is the I think it's the best mix. Like the actual yes. mix of the song, it feels like that opening bit, especially when you got the guitar and the bass it just it feels like an open space it's not all mushed together mm-hmm. and i yeah. really really like the mix on it sounds real good in headphones you know? see the light, see the
4: choose my path choose the day
0: He has some more dirt on his, uh, on his guitar there as, as he's doing the arpeggiated thing. And so it, it gives it more of like a little mystique feel to it. I mean, and the, the guitar tone through this entire song is just magnificent. And it goes into a lot of different places. <laughs> and But once again, we get a very Jeremy Enoch-y, uh, need your love needed in me. Let me see if I can find that part. Yeah. a lot of dissonance in this song. Yeah,
2: this tom's kicking in there. That, oh, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: and and the the drum mixing on this one is is really superb. What what we go into now is is a uh, Phil had labeled in his notes because I, I I copied them over mine because it's was so <laughs> hilarious. Can, can, can you read the one that says dissonance? Song fades.
2: Uh, yes, let me see here. <laughs>
1: that was terrible that was great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I said dissonance. Song fades. There's a long bit over the drums, sounds like it's coming to a close. Psych, they return to the kingdom. There's like five <laughs> different endings to this song. Yes. You're like, oh, here's the other song. Nope, it's going again. Here's the next part. Of the king too. I'm okay with long stuff. You
0: know, yeah, you know, me too. Know. Yeah, several endings is fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's there's also these really like when we get into that that weird breakdown that goes for goes for another five minutes. Yeah. There's these weird like really hollow sounding cr- crash symbol here. The guitar is just doing, I don't know what in the background. Mostly atonal, but it yeah. a little bit works. Those drums, just
2: <laughs> it's almost like a drum solo, right? Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> that really hollow like crash cymbal.
2: Yeah.
0: Because usually a crash cymbal should like fill things up and be very wall of soundy, but that one's just like it's, it, it starts off that way, but then it just ends so soon. And I, I don't think he's muting. It's nothing. It's not a muting sound there unless he's being very careful about it. And I don't think he has that many hands.
2: It sounds like it's got a crack in it.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, you're right. It does. And they, they make symbols like that on purpose.
2: I that part too, by the way, where it's just sort of the you know, atonal guitars and the drums up that's a little <laughs> over three minutes solid. That's yeah. a whole song's worth of just and, that bit. But it works just fine. I love <laughs> it. I love it.
0: <laughs> and then at the end, as you mentioned, we finally get our towering guitars. Once again, there's that there's that fuzzed out guitar in the background that's just, we're literally just leering, listening to speakers that are being overdriven. They can't, yeah. they're not doing anything except for making a crackling sound.
2: And some of those guitar parts of that last bit are almost like in the hardcore realm, the way that they're, mm-hmm. it's, oh, it's such a good, it, it, that yeah. whole long buildup. I, I know you guys are familiar with Starflyer dual overhead yeah. cam when it's like the super long, like, da, 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 and it's just this ridiculously long buildup and then it crashes in. That, there's nothing like that. I love <laughs> that feeling of just this huge buildup that's ridiculous, and then when it finally pays yeah. off, oh, it's a good song. Yeah,
0: and this this one does kind of bring in that a little a little bit of grind, a little bit of it's like shoegaze sound, where it's like it's like this filtered hardcore sound, right? Where they take mm-hmm. say, take hardcore elements, but it never gets into hardcore. Like, yeah, and, and that's actually one of my it's funny that's one of my notes later on is is that there there are hardcore elements in here, but we never get into the realm of feeling. Like it's overly hard or overly dark because it's hardcore and like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it's just like these hardcore elements are just sitting in the background.
1: It's a good song. Did
0: you, anything to add to that song?
1: I mean, you guys pretty well <laughs> covered it. I I'm gonna disagree and say it's a little jammy for me at points. <laughs> I like that they were willing to do that on the last yeah. one and just just go all out and make it long. I was kinda like, okay, <laughs> like fast forwarding a little bit, you know, but um but you know,
3: yeah.
2: different people like different things. So uh,
1: I did like how the chorus came back at the very end and yeah. tied it
2: all together, and then it ended. I wouldn't want a whole album of 11 minute songs like that, but no. for a closer, True. it totally works for me. Like
0: fair. I remember a friend of mine coming up to me in, in high school, in like the, in like the the corridors of high school, and and, and saying to me, "Hey, I got a new uh, Smashing Pumpkins EP that's just like then like noodling around and jamming them. Do you want to come over and listen to that?" It's like no. <laughs> That sounds horrible, <laughs> but that that that's not how this feels though. As as much as it has a looseness to it, it's it still all feels very purposeful. Yeah, I think.
2: I do too, I, and I think if you uh, if you you could stick at different points, like a track, you know, where it would start a new track number, and maybe mm-hmm. it would help break it up and make it feel more, you know, palatable for you, Jay. I, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> okay, fair, fair, all right. <laughs>
0: All right, Phil, so what are your overall thoughts on this album? How How, how does it come off?
2: I mean, I, I've i probably been playing my cards a little close to the chest, but I really like this album a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's great. I, it, to me, I mean, it very much still sounds like the 90s. I wouldn't
3: mm-hmm. try
2: to trick someone that this just came out. Like, hey, listen to this new album. It just came out in <laughs> 2021. But I love uh, the those 90s. It's pretty
0: 90s. That- there's some pretty '90s '90s sounding stuff coming out right
2: now, but. but I think it's more like people making a reference back to the '90s yes. than like actual, <laughs> yeah. Kind of like how the '50s were real popular in the '80s, like that's where we're yes. at now, you know. Which is yes, you are correct. Which is weird for me, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, me too. And I never would have thought the '90s had a sound when we we're in the '90s. Like it just was music now, right? And I remember this conversation with my wife where I'm like, no, it's not like the 50s or 60s or 80s or something where you could like instantly recognize it. And then we <laughs> she plays me some sample and I'm like, oh, yeah, that definitely sounds like the 90s. <laughs> OK, you're right. Yeah,
0: I remember playing some uh, weird Pixies song for my wife once. And I was like, when do you think this is from? She's like, I don't know. Ninety one. I was like,
2: crap. <laughs> <laughs> yep. not, not full anyone. Still great, though. <laughs> yeah.
0: Jay, what are your overall thoughts?
1: Yeah, I wish I had checked this out more at the time because I do like it quite a bit and I'm not sure why I didn't notice it more than other than like 96 tons of stuff was coming out in the Christian scene and I probably just like could not keep up. But yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit too. Yeah, I'll stop there. It's It's good. Like it's not sometimes we listen to this stuff. Even we've had a few recent episodes where I love the music, but I go back and dig through the lyrics and I was like,
3: yikes.
1: Um, (laughs) This one, other than that one word master in it, for the most part, like I really like, lyrically I'm okay with, musically I'm okay with, like, yeah, it's good. And then I, you know, I I hope we cover this in our episode. I listened to a little bit of their EP after this and I really like that. I think they kind of kept evolving as a band. This is good. I give it a stamp of approval. (laughs)
0: especially the albums that we cover, there's not a lot of stuff that we talk about that I would consider a work of art. Um, but I, I would say this album is a work of art it, more in the purpose behind it. Like there's, there's a very obvious vision here and I think that they pulled it off. I I think that there's still, you know, it's, it's, it's derivative of Sunday real estate. Sure. Fine. Right. I don't think that's too negative because Sunday real estate was a game changer, honestly. <laughs> um, and they're also from, these guys are from Seattle where they're going to be, you know, hearing Sunday real estate a lot because they were blowing up the scene at the time, <laughs> you know? And I, I think in a way, like I said, the, the, the day the colors died, the song in a little bit kills this album because you listen to that song and then you're expecting more of that, but there's not more of that. It's this excellent song, but then when they, they change directions so thoroughly and so hard that you don't know what to do with the rest of the album. At least that's where I was in the nineties as, as a kid. I didn't know what to do with the rest of this album. Also probably the rest of this albums are probably a little more too mature for, for me when I found it <laughs> both musically and lyrically, I would say. But yeah, so I, I think if you, if you, even if you take that song off, this album stands on its own and, and I think it's really good. I think it still lacks something. I think it lacks some defining moments. I think as, as, we, as we've touched on, there's that they're holding back too much of like the, the rocking guitar thing. But you know, I had the same feeling when we, when we did Quell that I really liked that album, but it just it, it lacked those defining moments that really set it apart from everything else. But yeah, I, I, I really liked it. I, I, I want to look at what some other people thought of this at the time. There was an HM review and a 7-ball review, but I don't have those, and I couldn't find them. But the only, album I could, the only review I could find at the time was from Cross Rhythms. And they honestly seem... It's only one paragraph, and it's a pretty short paragraph. <laughs> and it seems a little bit dismissive. It, start, it starts like this another young alternative band hailing from Seattle vie for the attention of this re- with this release. And then they go on to say, my favorite track would have, would have to be just the same.
2: Oh so, no. Yeah. <laughs> that tells you a little about the reviewer there. I think. You know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So cross rhythms really fell on that one. You know, the, yeah, you're, 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 I understand there's a lot of albums out there, especially 96, but you, you missed it here <laughs> as well as did Jay and I, but you know, yeah.
2: True. I think it says something that you would confuse it with a really popular band at the time in their local scene, because a lot of Christian music, as you guys are aware of, is not known for being like super contemporary. So yeah, just say right. like, oh, they were totally fitting in with that scene and going out like, <laughs> that's actually a step up for a lot, you know. it
0: It is a step up for for a lot of Christian music. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> we've already touched on the on the uh, artwork here a little bit but but i i will say that easily this album caught my attention from across the room like i i saw this on a bookshelf and i listened to it i once again i was lost with it but i did the the artwork did draw me to this album
2: definitely it, it stood out against anything else i still don't know like i mean i don't know if those are Comes, or if that's like an actual drug or is it aspirin I don't know but They look
0: like they look like aspirin
2: Probably but then the ones inside I mean those are different pills on the, Do not. On the CD yeah. and stuff so that was just something that yeah I, I don't know what this is but I have a feeling it's not going to be another like pop this is not twilight <laughs> paris uh right. you know, in that, right? uh, that genre so I think I'm good
0: Yes very true
1: <laughs> I love the cover and the layout I, I if I had to critique something though I don't love the font Okay. Just saying, you know, yeah. '90s fonts are easy to hate. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very '90s. '90s trying to do a throwback to like maybe the '70s or something, hmm. right? Yeah, yeah so. I can see that.
0: All right. Any any uh, closing thoughts on the album before we uh, go on to where are they now?
2: I think they're really talented. You know, also yeah. like I feel like there's it's not you don't just have like a guy strumming a G C D chord and I can like sit and noodle around on my acoustic guitar. It's, there's a lot of thought and complicated parts put into it. I, I don't know mm-hmm. musically as much as you do, but to me, they feel like they're pretty talented overall.
0: No. Yeah. That If, if they had another guitarist and they could add that extra layer to this, this, um, they, they, they have a lot of, a lot of things going on here. Yeah. We should probably also mention that this was recorded. Uh, this was produced by, um, Aaron Sprinkle. Mm-hmm. Of course, executive produced by Gene Eugene, because it's on his uh, label, Brainstorm Artist International.
2: And Andy Prickett of the Prayer Chain was involved in some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, about. he did one of the songs, I Re- I Remain Yours.
0: Well, Phil, what, why don't you tell us uh, what you found out about where these guys are now?
2: All right. Well, as Jay mentioned, they did follow this up with one EP on Velvet Blue Music, which is fantastic. And incidentally, still available to purchase from the Velvet Blue Music website I saw Ooh, on nice. CD. So. Huh. If you're interested, I think it's like five bucks or something. Six dollars. Oh, wow. So that's pretty cool. Um, okay. Blake Westcott was the only credited musician on that. But Mike, who is the was the drummer, on his current Facebook page mentioned having released that. So he was involved. So who knows? Because those liner notes are even more vague than these here. So <laughs> who knows who was on that? Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Blake Westcott was involved in tons and tons of bands. You mentioned him playing... Pedro the Lion in various uh, forms. He did a band called Saltine, which I have one of their CDs. Very, very cool. Very, if you like this, you'll probably like that, too. You know, Hmm. Um, he was involved in Kush earlier on. Um, I don't know if you guys know Kush. I love them. Yeah, that's like the super band of all super bands for like the Christian fringe type of musicians. (laughs) Yes. Did you ever see them play live at all?
1: I think I did at
2: Cornerstone one year, but that was it. Yeah. yeah, they definitely didn't come to Texas. Oh, I, they right. played a bunch around Southern California, so I was kind of spoiled yeah. with that. But So I don't know. Like <laughs> I never saw Bloomsday play, but I saw Pedro the Lion a ton around this time. I saw Kush several mm-hmm. times. I don't remember, honestly, if he was involved in any of those live events I was at, but it's possible. Yeah. I might have seen him there. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I, I saw Blake play with Dave Bazan on the Cursor Branches tour, because he played with him live on that tour. And I remember some reason, I remembered the name when he said it. So I have seen Blake Live, but never with this band. I don't think this band maybe played that much
2: live. I don't know. I mean, I think their existence was like a year and a half, two years, you know, something like that (laughs) right, at most. But he's been involved in a lot of stuff. Also, as far as like production and recording, He uh, for a while, he owned Casa or Casa Recording Company, which I think he took over from Damien Gerardo. They released like cassette only releases and stuff he's done a lot and he's probably still doing things now apparently
0: jay why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about i didn't know this jay tell us a little bit about casa real fast
2: yeah so i i think
1: casa started is damien gerardo and evan i don't know how to say his last name haas from blenderhead did like tape recordings like everything was on tape and a lot of times it was like recycled tapes that they got <laughs> from like thrift stores and just recorded stuff over and they put out a bunch of stuff like roadside monument live kind of thing i think recorded off the radio like a bunch of kind of just bootleg stuff a bunch of damien's like really early stuff that's just like him and an acoustic guitar i think the first coolidge stuff was on that and then somehow over the time i think blake took it over and made it more of like a real thing and then i don't know when he stopped doing that and started producing but i'm just looking at discogs right now and he's got like four pages worth of stuff he's like contributed to either as recording or playing (laughs) instruments so he's done and I think you're right. You know, he does a lot of like, if you like this, you know, you'll probably like that. Like lots of Damon Gereado, you know, Dave Bazan, even some Aaron Sprinkle stuff. Like mm-hmm.
0: after Bloomsday's Steve Leslie, he moved to Bellingham, Washington. His goal was to get away from the music scene and to finish finish his uh, degree. But he almost immediately started to. Uh, he almost immediately started started a band called uh, Chuckanut Drive. That went from uh, 1999 through the early 2000s. It was a country band.
2: And it's very country.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Never heard it. I mean, I didn't
2: I hear to, it try- until this, but it is. <laughs> okay. Oh, you found
0: something to listen to? I-, I couldn't find actually an actual song to listen to.
2: Yeah, they still have like an active uh, Facebook, or he has an active oh, Facebook okay. page. Right. Um, and then there was just a couple of uh, YouTube videos I was able to dig up. There's an okay. actual road called that, so it was kind of confusing. But right, yes, yeah, a little bit hard. <laughs> some songs popped up, yeah.
0: Yeah, and to this day, um, or at least before the pandemic, he continued a solo career um, as a local musician in Bellingham, going by the, Ray, the name Stephen Ray Leslie. And as, as Phil mentioned, you can find him on Facebook under that name.
2: He also had a band in the middle called the Crooked Mile between Chuck and that drive oh, yeah. and doing a solo. Just... That's true. Yes. I'm just going
1: to add one more thing that I found. I did find Blake on LinkedIn, and according to LinkedIn, he now lives in Arizona and works for the American Board of Radiology. <laughs> There we go. Okay. It's the same Blake because he credits, you know, album recording before, but I think since about twenty fourteen. Yeah. He's been doing that. My big thing is he seemed to basically from this band, and I know he did Saltine and a couple others, but really after this, he didn't there was no like Blake Westcott yeah, music. I like remember. he was involved in a ton of stuff, but I didn't see anything like primary songwriter or singer or anything. But come on, a guy like this who plays this much music, surely he's got songs somewhere, right? Like I feel like he's got to have something he's been working on. I would since hope so. Then. So would love to hear it if anybody knows where it is. Blake, <laughs> Blake, if you ever hear this, we'd love to hear it. I'm sure there's like got to be at least a few songs he's written since the Bloomsday days that you know deserve to be heard.
0: He was involved with a Casa uh, Recordings put out, a couple albums by uh, Sarah Shannon, who was the former lead singer of another band, I forget what it was, uh, Velocity Girl. And he was very heavily involved in writing and producing that album. So, but yeah, you're right. There's no like him original material, yeah. which is which is very disappointing. Yeah, I agree.
2: Well, then also, I don't know if you found Mike Bravine, the drummer, no. is also still an active musician. Oh, really? Out of Knoxville, Tennessee, he's got a Facebook page, facebook dot com slash mike bravine, just like it is in there, and he's does I don't know drums still.
0: Any other final thoughts before we uh, we bid you adieu, Phil?
2: Well. Did you... You guys are going to do the award? I didn't... Oh, the award. Sorry.
0: Yeah, you're right. Sorry. (laughs) Let's go I want to get to do
2: an award. It's the fun part at the end, you know.
0: Phil, do you have an award for this album?
2: I do. This one I called the Day the Mystery Died Award, a.k.a. the Enya Award. Enya? Okay. Here's the explanation. (laughs) Because this album is always just this, like, enigmatic mystery to me. And Yeah. looking closer at the lyrics, some of them, great, like, turned out fine. But there's definitely some moments that i found to be a bit cheesy or whatever that, <laughs> you know, I wish I didn't know. I wish that that was still mysterious, right? And the reason okay. I say the Enya Award is because, I don't know how much you listen to Enya, but it's always just been this very, like, mysterious, European-y sounding thing. And she's saying, you know other languages or something but it's not her lyrics are in english and there's that one song that uh sail away sail away i don't know if you've heard that yeah yeah. it's it's really pretty don't get me wrong but the lyrics when you look at them in english are so cheesy it's the worst and i can't listen to it anymore and not think this is the dumbest lyric ever and it still sounds real pretty and i think of that every time i look closely at an album that i wish i didn't so
0: yeah right my my only uh, familiarity with Inya is through Adam and his Package. So.
1: <laughs> that uh that's been a little bit of maybe the curse of this show is some of these yeah. albums were like, "Oh, I wish I hadn't dug this." <laughs> you know.
2: <laughs> I don't some th- we like more, but yeah. I don't think this one is that bad, but <laughs> no, any no. mystery that is evol- that evaporates from this is a bummer, you know. It, yeah. True.
0: It's, you know, there's, there's good and bad things to say about both sides of the mystery. You know, before, before while you're in the mystery is, is great. But, uh, you know, it's far enough in the past that I think that, that destroying the mystique is fine now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Although I will say that, you know, I, 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 I started a blog that I never published or anything like that before we did this. Uh, we started the podcast and we just did the 121 um, episode. And that was probably my, when I was doing the blog, that was my biggest disappointment was just coming across kind of how trite those lyrics were on that album. And it, I still love the album, but it was just, it was a <laughs> huge hard. disappointment to me to the point that when I was writing, I was like, screw it. I'm keep, I'm keeping my lyrics.
2: <laughs> well, I do think there's something to be said for the way a lyric is delivered. And you guys have touched on this, that yes. even the most cheesy lines or whatever can be made to sound cool if it's delivered well, but mm-hmm. still, when you look at it too closely <laughs> under a microscope, you know, cracks start to appear.
0: <laughs> Some things don't survive. Yeah, it's true.
2: I still love this album, though. Don't get me wrong.
0: No, it's 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 good. I I, I am glad you introduced us to it because I've I've really enjoyed uh, getting to listen to it and, and and dig into it. It's 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 a lot of it's it's like I said, it, it, it is a work of art, and it's it's so enjoyable. I agree. Well, Phil, uh, thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys.
0: Thank you for introducing us the album again. And yeah, you, is there any way that, uh, any, any podcast that you do that maybe two of them that people should listen to?
2: Yes. I would love to <laughs> plug, uh, two podcasts that I do. Um, one is called the Mandarian orange show spelled incorrectly on purpose. Um, which is a show I do with my wife, just kind of a comedy goofy thing we do together. We talk about pop culture and being parents and traveling and silly stuff. <laughs> and you can find that at Mandarian orange show anywhere.com or on Facebook or whatever. Also, I do an episode-by-episode podcast about Family Ties, the 1980s show with uh, Michael J. Fox, and that's (laughs) called Alex P. Keaton is My Friend. That's easily googleable as well, um, so you can find that. And then one more thing, if I could plug uh, my indie record label, Pop Vox Music, we do a regular... This is probably going to be the most interesting to listeners of your show. We do a regular uh, live stream or semi-regular live stream with different artists from the era. And uh, we're by the time this comes out, we'll have done our most upcoming one, but their videos are all available later. The record label is called Pop Vox Music, P-O-P-V-O-X Music. And um, you can find us on Facebook. is the easiest place. That's where we do our live streams. We've had such artists from the era as John Sonnenberg from Travelog slash House of Wires and Miss Angie and a bunch of others like that. So check that out and come hang out with us there.
0: Well, thank you very much, Phil, and you have a uh, good day. Thank you. All right, Jay, what are we listening to for our next episode?
1: Clifton, we're going to stay in the same year, 1996, but we're going to listen to Curious Fools' album, Red. Or maybe that's Reed. I don't know. But
3: (laughs) R-E-A-D.
0: Yeah. The word that can be pronounced both ways. I don't I think I should be embarrassed by this, but I don't remember. So we're going to
1: find out. I I listened to them before that. I don't think I ever listened to this. So we're going to find out together.
0: Well, we enter into this mystery that I've forgotten completely. Of this album, and uh, but I did listen to it at the time. I remember being very excited by it.
1: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Your Music Saved Us.
0: If you enjoyed your time with us, please leave us a review or share this episode. Visit our website, yourmusicsavedus.com, to find out all the ways to listen. We're on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Join our Facebook group or follow us to keep up with the latest or interact with with us. Send complaints and disagreements to yourmusicsavedus at gmail.com.
1: The music in this episode is the work of Bloomsday and is used with apologies, not permission. And you should go and try to find Bloomsday to buy. We were told by Phil that you can still buy their EP at the Velvet Blue Music site. And, you know, if you can find anything else out there.
2: But you guys just were talking about Black Eyed Siva, and you were talking about the mysterious origins of them. And um, my first job when I was in high school, I was a sound technician at a Christian camp slash conference center, and they were the house band one summer I was there before they were signed to Five Minute Walk, and I got to run sound for them. They were, like, doing worship leading and concerts and stuff throughout the weeks. Um, And anyway, it just... You guys are like, oh, nobody knows what they did. I'm like, no, before they were doing that. And so I was digging around for my old <laughs> demo of them before they got signed, and I couldn't find it, but I did come across my Rainy Days demo from when I saw them back in the uh, Rainy Days days. Uh, you can't see it, because it's green, and I got the green thing. It's green. <laughs> well, trust me. Let's see, I can show you the black part there, and it says Rainy Days, yeah. so...